The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. It's Monday morning. Welcome to Sportbox, everybody. These are your headlines. Countries weigh up fresh restrictions as Omicron spreads around the world, whilst President Biden's chief medical advisor, Anthony Fauci, issues a rallying cry to unvaccinated people. This is a clarion call, as far as I'm yeah. concerned, of saying, let's put aside all of these differences that we have and say, if you're not vaccinated, get vaccinated. Asian equity markets slip, but U.S. Uh, futures gain as Wall Street looks set to recover some of Friday's heavy losses. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson reintroduces some COVID restrictions, with travellers required to self-isolate until receiving a negative PCR test. And the Health Secretary Sajid Javid says COVID is not going away. We will have to learn to live with COVID. We will never defeat it. We have to learn to live with it. We have to learn to live with it as we have learned to live with flu. Of course, it is not flu. And, uh, you know, we need to you know, learn more about it. And, but we have many more measures and tools in the box today. That Plus, scores of people test positive for COVID-19 on two flights from South Africa to Amsterdam, with 13 confirmed to be carrying the new variant. Okay, so countries across the world are reimposing travel restrictions in an attempt to contain or at least slow down the spread of the new COVID-19 variant Omicron. But it has already entered multiple countries, with France, Australia and Denmark becoming the latest ones to announce suspected or confirmed cases. The UK has called G7 health ministers to an emergency meeting today to discuss the threat. Before the new variant emerged, Europe was already tackling yet another wave, of course, of COVID cases, with several countries reintroducing tighter restrictions or lockdowns. Here in the United Kingdom, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, announced a, a new set of measures after the chief medical officer warned that there was, quote, a reasonable chance that the new Omicron variant could bypass vaccines. That's the... Terrible scenario, potentially, isn't it? Uh, starting tomorrow, face masks will once again be compulsory on public transport and in shops in England. Anyone arriving to the UK must take a PCR test within two days, as opposed to a less accurate but quicker lateral flow test. Anyone in contact with someone who tests positive for Omicron will have to self-isolate for 10 days. The country so far has confirmed three cases of the new variant. UK Health Secretary Sajid Javid said the new restrictions are being put in place as a preventative measure in case fears over the heavily mutated variant turn out to be warranted. Given the number of mutations in this new variant, there's reason to, to think that it may be, and I stress the word may, that uh, this variant may turn out to make our vaccines less effective. It may not. We just don't know enough. But, but as a, as a, as a precautionary measure, you know, what we are doing these measures, but also uh, turning to the vaccination program, even if 
This variant turns out, and it's an if, even if it turns out to make vaccines less effective, it might be a small impact. It, it may not, but the point is that the vaccines are still going to give you more protection than otherwise, and that is why the booster program is so important. Now, as I mentioned in headlines, the Netherlands has so far discovered 13 cases of Omicron variant amongst passengers who arrived to the country from South Africa on Friday. Overall, 61 passengers on board tested positive for some form of COVID-19. All those who tested positive are isolating in a hotel near to the airport. The country's health minister said over the weekend that the cases could be, quote, the tip of the iceberg. In the States, President Biden's chief medical advisor, Anthony Fauci, has warned that the U.S. could face a fifth wave of COVID-19, with Omicron increasing the risk of that. Speaking over the weekend, Fauci said it would be too early to call for more lockdowns, but emphasized that the U.S. should be ready to, quote, do anything and everything to battle the new variant. Right, let's take a look at the markets. There's a lot of common column miles I was looking at over the weekend talking about the panic in the markets. Well, you must have been looking at different markets from me. I saw a very rational response in most asset classes to a worrying new development in the battle against COVID-19. I saw assets which have been highly elevated for a very long time actually abating uh, and, and actually looking at the kind of retrenchment that many people had called for anyway. Uh, perhaps it was the violence of the action in the short term but you know why that was in many ways. That was partly because of the illiquidity in the market. Those who wanted to liquidate positions in the shortened session between the Thanksgiving holiday and the weekend on Friday had a very limited opportunity to do so. And of course, limited bids in the market to uh, hit those as well when you were looking to get rid of stock. And these declines... Yes, they are some of the biggest we've seen uh, of the year. They are some of the biggest we've seen since, for instance, on the S&P, the worst since February 25th, uh, since the, on the Dow, since October 2020. But for the week, the declines on these stocks were not that bad. I tell you, 2.2% lower for the S&P, 3.5% lower for the volatile uh, Nasdaq, which was already coming off, of course, for a completely different reason, which is now abated somewhat. And that is the fact uh, that the Treasuries, of course, ha have come off their recent highs. And I just want to tell you one more fact. The where we are compared to the massive rally we've had, where we are compared to the record highs we hit just a few sessions ago, the S&P is only 3.2% away from its all-time high. That's not a huge retracement, nowhere near correction territory and certainly nowhere near a bear market territory. So what I saw was people who wanted to sell their stock, having limited opportunities and getting out of those positions. And again, we look at travel and leisure sectors, we look at energy sectors, we'll come to some of this a little bit later on as well. Again. Big moves, yes, but I think in many ways highly rational, given what we have saw thereafter about travel bans, some, some outright travel bans, some limited travel bans, some extra testing involved. So I saw a sector which has had a very big rally, i.e. travel and leisure and oil as well, which have had a very big rally responding, I thought, quite rationally. Maybe I'm wrong. We've got um, the Treasuries. I mentioned those as well. And this is the point. When you have the Nasdaq selling off for one reason, which was the fact that the yields uh, were picking up on the thoughts that we were going to see uh, more mood music about rate hikes coming. Well, actually, then we got a 148 handle, I think it was, at our low on the Treasuries. Yeah, 148.16. There you go. Four decimal points for you. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that now the yield has picked up uh, as the bonds have just come off a little bit again. 152 on the 10-year, 121.8. 
121.45 on the five euro as well. Let's have a look at the dollar crosses as well and where we're trading. Now, last week, uh, the dollar index declined 0.7 of 1%, but we're roughly where we were, if you remember, before Omicron became a word that any of us has heard of and working out how to say the word. Um, again, a lot of these pairs are trading exactly where we were, give or take a bit of change before the latest news. For instance, we were talking about the 112 handle, weren't we, uh, on Eurodollar. In fact, if anything, the euro has picked up a little bit, uh, despite the concerns about the fourth or fifth wave and, again, Omicron cases in the, uh, on the continent. And the same with sterling as well. We're roughly where we were, give or take a decimal, at the start of the week. Um, one thing that's very interesting is the VIX as well. And again, I saw a highly rational reaction. This will come off today if the US market steadied. But seeing um, a rally uh, in the volatility indicators uh, on a Friday is something which I'm sure some of you know. You have three days of decay, of course. You have the, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday before you get to Monday trading. So actually very interesting when you ever see a VIX rally on, on, on a day before a weekend as well. It means something else is at play as well. Now, there's a big headline, up 54% uh, on the market volatility. But all this is, and I'll just take one step back just to remind you, it is a marker of the most traded at the money volatility indicators in the options market on the S&P. So highly logical that if you were covering shorts or indeed if you were looking to take on a new long, that actually there would be very little liquidity again on a Friday, let alone between a bank holiday and the weekend. Uh, so that's the VIX anyway. Let's have a look at the vaccine makers. This is an area where we, of course, did see a rally uh, in many of the stocks on Friday. Interestingly, AstraZeneca did not see a rally. It was down 1.1%, which, of course, was dramatically better than the broader market. But we saw a 14% rally on BioNTech, Pfizer and Moderna rallying by 6 and 20% respectively. Quick look at oil for you. Yep, we, we, we've rallied off our lows, but um, as we've been looking throughout the day, this rally has come off a little bit. Uh, three o'clock this morning, roughly, we're up 5% on Brent. Don't ask me why I was looking at Brent at three o'clock this morning. And WTI, again, has just come off from its high. So just keep an eye on this one as well uh, and where we travel on this one. Okay, US futures, again, they are positive, but we are off our highs. It had a two-handle on the Dow rally at one point, 250 plus, 260 a couple of hours ago, but we are still significantly in, in positive territory. And we are going to see a lot of movement today. It's going to be one of those days. If you're short premium, it's going to be a tough day for you. If you're long of it, you might see some interesting gamma trading as well. Right, let us move on um, because I've got Matt Taylor waiting. Actually, he's going to give you a bit more detail on what's going on in the Asian markets. Matt, really nice to see you. Thanks for joining us. Hi there, Steve. Morning to you. Let's give you a look at the uh, Asia Pacific markets because things are actually still fairly negative. It was interesting when we did have that surge in US futures a little bit earlier on today and that move into the 200 plus uh, range when it comes to the Dow. We did see a number of these markets uh, move into positive territory uh, like the Hong Kong market but it's now down by about 1%. So we are seeing a very choppy session here. Markets are well and truly off of the lows of the session. Some patches of green when it comes to the mainland China market. Also India as well. Uh, but broadly speaking uh, we are negative but they are modest declines that we are seeing across a number of these markets. Markets. The Japanese market is where we are seeing uh, the steepest falls. We've got a decline there, uh, nudging now around about 2% or so. Why? Well, we've got the Japanese yen uh, strengthening back to that 113 level. Also, some news out of Japan. The Prime Minister saying that foreigners will be banned from entering Japan uh, from the end of this month, November the 30th, and Japanese nationals returning uh, from some destinations will have to quarantine. No timeline on for how long this will be. Greater China markets, we are seeing a bit of a mixed performance here. On the mainland, we're actually seeing uh, a little bit of green. 
Hong Kong we're weaker as well. Remember we had those two Omicron cases discovered there uh, in hotel quarantine. Finally, let's give you a look at Australia closed for the day as well. Uh, negative in the order of about half of 1% or so. Again, fell sharply at the open, managing to recover a lot of those declines. From Sunday though, the government there announcing uh, a 72-hour quarantine period uh, for those arriving into Australia. So uh, we've got all of these uh, jurisdictions now popping up with some uh, various forms of quarantine measures that of course uh, markets are really digesting as well to see what the impact will be then uh, potentially on of course uh, this recovery and the growth outlook in a number of these countries. Steve, that's it from Asia. Back to you. Really nice to see you, Matt. Thank you very much for that update. Okay, coming up on the show, Nissan takes the wraps off its biggest EV investment strategy yet. We're going to dig through the details in a first on CNBC interview with the CEO, Makoto Uchida. That's coming up next on the Scorebox. Plus, for more on how countries are looking to tackle the Omicron variant, check out the Scorebox podcast. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. Well, as you can see on the screen there, a lot of uh, markets under pressure, but Japan will close its borders to all foreigners from Tuesday. The Prime Minister, Fumio Kishida, said the government was responding to the Omicron variant with a strong sense of urgency. Right, Nissan has unveiled its new long-term strategy. The Japanese carmaker's new roadmap will see it spend almost $18 billion over the next five years as it looks to electrify more of its lineup. The company will introduce 23 new models by 2030 and aim for more than half of its sales to be electrified. And uh, we'll just take a look at uh, what the, uh, well, as you see, Japanese shares down across the board, but we are seeing uh, Nissan responding to broader uh, issues in the world rather than their strategy, down 5.6%, we believe, uh, so far today. But let's get to Makoto Uchida, who is the CEO of Nissan and founding member of CNBC's ESG Council. Uh, sir, thank you very much indeed for joining us today. An extraordinarily busy thank day in many, me. many ways. Uh, and a busy day for Nissan personally as well. So tell us a little bit uh, about the 2030 strategy and, and how this is uh, an extension of the strategy you already have in place. Well, thank you for the question. And uh, today we announced our ambition 2030. Nissan aims to become a truly sustainable company driving towards a cleaner, safer, and more inclusive world. So this is our vision, and we want to deliver strategic value by empowering journey, offering confident, exciting, more integrated experience to customers and through <coughs> collaborations. Empower society to build a smart ecosystem with integrated mobility. 
So over the next 10 years, Nissan will deliver exciting electrified vehicle and technology innovation while expanding its operation globally with an investment of 2 trillion yen over the next five years. The vision supports Nissan's goal to be carbon neutral across the life cycle of its products by physical year 2050. It's going to take an enormous amount of investment. We've already mentioned the figure of almost $18 billion. Where's your global focus here? I do notice that, for instance, in Europe, 75% of sales have an aspiration to be electrified as well, 55% in Japan, uh, and less so in China and the United States. All markets are moving at different speeds, sir. Yeah, exactly what you mentioned, because uh, we need to be equipped and ready how the market would evolve further in terms of this electrification and uh, when the customer's readiness. So this time we wanted to announce that the span of the up towards the 2030, how the Nissan want to be, while what will we plan towards the 2026, as you exactly mentioned, that we want to reach that model mix ratio by each designated core region on that ratio. But again, I would say this will be depends on the, how the market evolves, how the customers would start to perceive, and how we could be ready, how we could be prepared. That is what we are planning today. Yeah, and, and I'm also very interested, sir, and I think we've, we've touched upon this in a previous interview, about the technology. You mentioned about you being ready. Uh, about the customer being ready, but what about the technology being ready as well? Because I'm reading about Yokohama, I'm reading about solid state batteries uh, and how the technology needs to move as well. Do we have the technology we need today or are we waiting for leaps in technology? Yeah, thank you very much for asking that. That we Nissan has the 10 or 11 years experience of this new leaf already sold in the market. While we have the battery technology, and we are the first, has made the lithium-ion battery in-house. So we are now looking to the next stage. How are we going to further to enhance our product of the EV by all solid-state battery, which we plan to do the mass production by 2028? But before that, we will launch the pilot plant in Yokohama here in Japan by 2024. And this all solid-state battery will be more thinner and which enables various type of the vehicle range to be electrified or EV. We also would like to make the cost competitive through this new technology, which we would be start with $75 per kilowatt by 2028. And we aim to bring it farther down to the $65 per kilowatt hour to achieve cost parity with the gasoline vehicle. So this is what we feel as a confidence of being doing the EV as a Nissan for the past 11 years, and we would like to deliver that in the future. So the UK is very proud of its partnership with Nissan. I know a long-term one as well, and a $1.4 billion hub uh, to provide battery-powered cars in the UK. That's in the offing as well. But do we have enough infrastructure in the UK and elsewhere uh, to satiate the new uh, supply of vehicles? There are big question marks about the speed of which we're getting um, charging stations and broader infrastructure together. Well, uh, this is aware that we are focusing not only the Nissan, but also in the Alliance, how we can further to contribute to establish the infrastructure in terms of the charging station. As you may be aware that the Nissan has been already involved of 1 million unit of the charger of the contribution. And we have been investing about 200 Okuen and we will further to do around 250 Okuen 
to make that infrastructure to be ready for the customer would be able to have this the EV on the on their life cycle and also that the uh, uh, for their total cost of the ownership. So infrastructure is going to be another key, and I think this is evolving at the right pace. And we further would like to contribute as the our uh, pillar of our strategy. So you have very solid medium to longer term plans, but in the short term, of course, the world is reeling from another COVID-19 variant as well. The emergence of Omicron, how concerning is this to you as a business and your operations on a daily basis? Well, we need to continuously to make sure the priority to our employee and the customer and all the partner, how we can make sure to prevent this infection to be uh, happening. That is, we will continue to do so. Um, we are quite being uh, uh, worried about how this pandemic situation, unfortunately, still have this kind of uh, uh, anticipation that we need to be created and we need to be uh, take that as our principle in order to operate the business. And further, we would like to hope that this pandemic situation will be able to manage despite of the new uh, valley, uh, <clears throat> virus that we are facing today. Uh, and the industry, of course, as we've discussed previously, has been reeling from shortages of key components, perhaps in some cases, uh, key commodities as well. Is this potentially going to exacerbate those concerns and actually the rollout and production of vehicles? Well, at this moment, I would not have so much worth because we need to be anticipate again how we could be ready. And of course, that the in line with not only this uh, uh, pandemic situation, but we are also looking to closely monitor of the semiconductor that is been har- harming a lot to the industry. It's still uh, getting better by better, step by step, but we need to carefully to monitor and how we can make sure to have our business continuity plan, not only by Nissan, but also as an industry, how we can support each other with a partnership is going to be a very important. And that's what we are doing today. Yeah. So, and just and again, I'll go back to a broader question. You've talked a lot about partnerships, about with society, with governments, uh, with, with your own workforce as well. But, but with the consumer, um, one bugbear of mine about uh, electric vehicles, and I spoke to a lot of people in the industry about this, is the, is the cost of those vehicles compared with internal combustion engines. Do you think the industry is pitching the price right with the consumer in order to get mass rollout, sir? Again, that the, uh, we need to further to evaluate and monitor how the customer's total cost of the ownership is going to evolve. And this is what we are looking to it, how we can support the customer in terms of the cost of the ownership. So this is something, you're right, we need to make sure one side on our cost competitiveness, how we can evolve on our electrified vehicle, which we are strongly uh, doing so. And second, how the infrastructure, how the total cost of the ownership of the customer could be something acceptable by the customer or something that for them to feel as a value. So this is what we are trying to do on the next uh, electrification strategy that the Nissan has and including the alliance on this point. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.